0: welcome to another morning service at El Paso Bawa Church I'll say a few announcements and uh, read a portion of scripture before we get started uh, we do have our annual congregational meeting congregation no meeting today uh, right after the worship service everyone is encouraged to attend but only members can vote so keep that in mind if you happen to stay for the meeting um, Really, I think that was the only uh, that was the only announcement that we were that I was uh, supposed to say today. Uh, so I am reading out of the book of Psalm, uh, Psalms chapter ninety, verses one through four. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You turn man to destruction, and say, "Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight." Or like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. All right. So let us pray, and then we'll get started with our worship session. Uh, Father, we're thankful this morning for the opportunity to come as your body, as a church, and worship you. And be encouraged by the teaching of your word. Uh, We ask that it be delightful for you. We ask that our worship uh, would be delightful We ask that you you would encourage us through the teaching of your word. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us for a time of worship?
1: so blessed hallelujah and blessed trouble knocking at my door today i ain't gonna let it in do wanna steal my joy away i ain't gonna let it rain it's on my best day i'm a child of god on my worst day i'm a child of god oh every day is a good day Every time I ran away, you were louder than my shame, and now where would I be without you? Where will I be, Jesus? You were the voice in the on me you were my testimony oh, oh you never gave up on me you never gave up on me you were my testimony you never gave up on me you never gave up on me
2: Everybody wishes they could just point the remote at me occasionally and do that, but I don't think it was intentional this time. Well, good morning again to you. We're having a great day today. Uh, There are a couple more announcements that we didn't make it into the bulletin because they caught me off guard a little bit. Uh, Things are kind of busy uh, right now, Um, but on the 24th of March, 24th of March, which is Palm Sunday, a little early this year, we're going to have a baptism service as needed and what i mean by that is if somebody wants to be baptized that has been for a number of years now kind of our customary baptism service Um, and so if you want to be baptized parents if you have a child that wants to be baptized and you would like them to go through the kind of the the class then we can we can do that Um, but we do need to know because you know just pragmatic things I need to let the deacons know to, to warm the baptismal up. We can fill it up really fast, but it warms up slow. Uh, when I was 12, the heater failed, but by golly, we were Baptists, and I got baptized anyway. The pastor was wearing a wetsuit. He didn't care, but I froze. So we want the heater works, so we want it to be heated. Um, so if that is needed, if it's desired, please let us know in the office. Uh, and when I say call Sasha, do not come ask me for her cell phone number, uh, that means call the office, 915-585-3360. Do you all have brain cells that remember phone numbers anymore? I have a few, 915-585-3360, um, and, and she'll connect the dots that we need to connect. Um, the other thing is we have a triple B uh, coming up on the 17th, so that's like, I think, a week from yesterday. So bring your meat, bring your Bible, bring your brew, um, and we'll have our time of fellowship. This uh, thing we do at 6 o'clock on the 17th. But if you show up a little early, I'll be here. And if you come late, we'll still be here. That's how we roll on the triple B, right? Okay. I think, oh, sandwiches. Jacob forgot sandwiches. If you didn't sign up for sandwiches last week, you don't have one. Uh, We still want you to be here. If you want to stay for the congregational meeting, you just don't have a sandwich. So you're going to have to survive, you know, like Survivor the show, you know, you're going to have to go out and get some bugs. If you want protein, because there's no sandwich. But I warned you, right? So please stay. Uh, that, it's always a great time celebrating what the Lord is doing here. All right, I think that's it. One day we'll actually get all those announcements done at the announcements. Um, but anyway, y'all got it now, okay? Baptism class, uh, congregational meeting, Triple B. All right. So here we are. We're growing in grace, aren't we? Today. Yes. Yes, you are. Here's why I know that. You're growing in grace because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And I hope we take a survey every once in a while just so I make sure I'm not talking to the wrong folks. Um, unbelievers need to hear a different message than they're going to hear today. You need to hear, if you're an unbeliever, if you don't know that you have eternal life, that you would spend eternity in Christ today, if you don't make it out these doors, then you need to hear a different message, and that is to trust Christ today, believe in him for eternal life, and receive the free gift of eternal life so that you have the opportunity to grow in grace, like the beloved, the brethren, the saints that Peter's talking to. Um, And if that doesn't make sense, that's literally how simple it is. Uh, Please come and talk to me, okay? You can come talk to me anyway. You can always come talk to me. Um, I am less scary than I look, I think. Nobody nodded their head. (laughs) You guys are killing me, man. I am less scary than I look, I think, I think. I'm pretty self-aware, I think. Maybe I'm not self-aware about my level of self-awareness. Anyway, come talk to me, please, if that doesn't make sense and you've never heard it before. But today, we're going to talk in 2 Peter more about growing in grace. And we've been engaging uh, that material uh, for a number of weeks now. We took some weeks off for Advent, for Christmas, uh, as is our tradition and I think is needed. Uh, to do that. But we're talking about growing in grace, understanding that as believers in Jesus Christ, and this is why I can tell you you're growing in grace, because you are, because you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. That's what Peter says in Jesus Christ. You possess it all. And to at least a minimal degree, the fact that you're here worshiping together with the body of Christ demonstrates to, to me and to us that we're availing ourselves of some of those things, right? Yeah, it's a good thing you're coming to hear Scripture. That falls in the category of the list of things that we can do. So I can tell you that. Good job. we we'll talk about some more still. Growing in grace. Uh, Peter was talking to people that were mature believers. I think we can say that, at least maturing believers. Uh, he's reminding them of things. Remember, we talked about this. He as I see it as indicating the, a whole other letter, a third letter that he wrote specifically to remind them about the problems of false teaching and those sorts of things. Um, but he's, he considers it a primary part of his ministry to remind them of things that they already know and in which they've been established. And we need those things. We need to be, if they needed to be that close, that close to Jesus' earthly ministry to be reminded of things they already know, that they were firmly established in. I'm going to tell you, this many years later, we need to hear those same things. We do. We need to know that the false teaching in the world, the false has not gone down. It has gone rather up, I think. And so we need to be reminded, central, a lot of those things, a long list of things. We've spent a number of weeks... But in the past few weeks, Peter spent the bulk of his time talking about how to discern uh, from false teaching versus true, false prophecy versus true prophecy, teaching that reflects God's word and teaching that uh, is maliciously substituted for God's word. And, and a large part of the problem is, is that people use the same vocabulary to do both kinds a lot of times, run into this a lot. It sounds aggressive in our culture to say, What do you mean in that sentence by this word, that word, that word, and that word? Doesn't it? It's ironic, isn't it? Because people demand that their interpretation of certain words in the English language is the correct one and demand that you jettison any perception that you have. (laughs) Does that make sense? I know what a man is, and I know what a woman is, and somebody believes that nobody knows that, and that's the definition, and they make me adopt theirs. People do that with doctrine. People do that with the Bible. Um, And that's the nature of false teaching, is to offer something that is Christian-ish, using the same vocabulary, Maybe that the Bible uses or that other true teachers use, but to be malicious about it, to offer bondage where Scripture offers freedom. It's quite the bait and switch, right? Right? See, I often tell my wife that she got bait and switched with me. She did. She did. We've been together for a long time, 29 years from the time we started dating as juniors in high school. That's a a bit, right? That's a bit. I'm I'm not that old, folks. I'm a little old now, middle-aged. 29 years, when we first started dating, I was going to be a doctor and Priscilla was up here. See what I mean? Now I'm a pastor and she's down here. I kept growing and growing and growing. There was no part of that that was the original deal. But you know what? I'm still the same person, right? We would even call that a bait and switch. I call it that. She's cool with it, I think. But imagine the bait and switch. Bondage for freedom. It's entirely different. It's the opposite. And that's what they're offering. That's why it matters that we discern the difference, because it's not just a matter of a little bit. Uh, it's you know like buying things on Temu or Wish, right? It it's the thing. It's not the thing. It's bondage for freedom. They say no shackles and they wrap you in chains. It's damaging. And then he narrowed it down. He said these people who are maliciously teaching false prophecy, false doctrine of Scripture, offering bondage instead of freedom. One of the key ways that they do that is they mock in their mocking. They're mockers in their mocking. And the chief thing that they do is to tell you and me, believers, people who are interested in the Bible, doc teaching, that you really shouldn't be all that concerned with Jesus returning. Where's the promise of his coming back? You shouldn't bother with that. Can I tell you how important that is to me? That's why I got out of bed this morning. That's why I got out of bed this morning. That's why I wanted to get out of bed this morning, if I'm truly honest about it. I mean, I love you guys, right? But if Jesus isn't coming back, we are so screwed it doesn't matter whatever else we're doing. Yes, I I said screwed on the live stream twice. (laughs) That's not as bad as I get. When we're talking about something that's serious, Uh, everything's just going to go on forever. No accountability. The problems you have, they're the problems you're always going to have. They're the problems humans have always had. And Peter says, listen, he gives the bad water versus the good water illustration. Y'all remember that? Water in large quantities is probably bad when it's out of control, right? What do they say down the hill? It takes four inches of water to push your truck off the road. Don't go through the low water crossing, dummy. It may not even register on the little... Po- we don't have those here. Everywhere in, in San Antonio and Hill Country, you got the little rulers that tell you how dumb you are if you go through, <laughs> right? One time we were coming back from San Antonio and we had a monsoon. We were out between... Uh, I think we were between Van Horn and, and El Paso. And we had to take a potty break. We had... Five kids, little kids, and it's contagious. It's like yawning, right? Somebody got to pee. Everybody got to pee. And you're thankful for that, right? That it's not contagious in 15-minute increments when you have 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 children. You're happy that they all have to pee at one time. But we uh, pulled into a rest stop, and all of a sudden, <laughs> monsoon. And I watched the road just disappear to get back onto I-10. we're not doing that we're gonna go that way I don't care if that's the wrong way we're going that way because that's definitely the wrong way now in front of me a little Toyota it may have been a Lexus Lexus people I don't know I don't know many Lexus people this Lexus thought that he had more clearance than our e350 van and went through it take your life in here. good water bad water lots of water moving fast bad God destroyed by his word he destroyed the earth with water that he had risen up and formed with water before the only difference between those two events was God's volition God's declaration the way that he used his voice and you guys just think that the world cruises along the way it does because God doesn't give a crap or doesn't exist mockers no The reason it looks consistent, the reason that you have seasons, the reason that life can almost seem boring in the cyclical nature is because God's Word has declared it so. Otherwise, the chaos would be incomprehensible. God's Word orders the thing. He says it. So don't mock that. Like when I was a kid, my, my, uh, my grandfather was a Vietnam vet. His uh, special forces. A couple of bronze stars that he didn't talk about. much. Uh, and that, the, the culture did terrible things to Vietnam vets, didn't they? Terrible things. And I remember very clearly my mother would say, Josh, the reason that Grandpa is upset about that uh, is because all these people that are throwing things that shouldn't be thrown and words that shouldn't be yelled. The only reason... The only reason they have the freedom to do that is because men like your grandfather exist. Who it, what needs killing. Who do what nobody else will do. And he's right. Now let's elevate that, she was right, excuse me. My grandfather was right, my mother was right. Oh, my grandfather, okay? Elevate that. The only reason mockers get to mock is because God is good and gracious and patient. And enduring because his word sustains the environment in which they can exercise their volition to do that that's it it's a function of God's word so we're going to continue this morning we're talking about God's word that's what's in verse 7 but by his word so that's the instrument right the tool that he's using by his word The present heavens, actually says the now heavens and earth. Your present immediate experience, the things that you're, the air that you're breathing, all of that are being kept in reserve or kept, actually, kept safe for fire. Guarded for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That's a function of God's Word. Ungodly men in this world would create a terminal terminal environment of chaos and destruction if it wasn't for God's Word that was reserving it for the future. Now, that may sound strange to you. Reserved for fire, being kept safe for fire. Well, the... (laughs) You don't use a lot of firewood, I, I'm guessing. Some of us have a lot of firewood. I'm not looking at him right now. Got a lot of firewood. But he has so much firewood, this, this illustration doesn't hold true. If you live in a, in a climate where you have to count the months of winter and the cords of wood to heat your home, you don't just leave it out in the front yard, right? You reserve it, keep it safe. You make provision for it to be dry and ready to go. Because you don't want to have to learn the lesson that generations learned before you probably so that it does what it's supposed to do, so that it warms when it's supposed to warm, so that it ignites when it's supposed to ignite. We might understand that a little better if we lived in a different climate, right? may sound kind of awful at first blush right god is reserving the present heavens and earth so that it lights faster kind of kind of here's why we've already pointed out see if you let people like our current administration run things entirely Things decline rapidly. Could God use that? Sure. He, I think he is. I mean, we can't deny that. God is, God is involved. He has geopolitical interest, right? But this sign is supposed to be different. If God uses a political party to decline a nation into nothingness, which could legitimately happen. It's happened over and over and over through many times throughout history. Y'all read the Bible, right? You know that he's done that. What do we read about it in? History books. We read the narrative. The decline and fall of thus and such an empire. Rather leisurely, I might add. That's not the lesson. Bad decisions have terrible consequences? No. The lesson is what role God plays. The role that God plays and His Word plays. And when He flips the switch, it lights up. No one will be able to mistake this for a Chinese virus. It didn't escape a lab from somewhere. No one's going to mistake it for having an idiotic electorate. No crap. This is what happens when morons are in charge. All of that can decline a nation. All of that can put an entire world into bondage. Yes, but there will be a distinction between what God does, and he's reserving the earth, the present heavens and the earth, so that no one can be mistaken and all the created order as to who is flipping that switch and who's lighting it up. It's going to be categorically different. Because the reason is because it is going to be judgment on the ungodly. Kept guarded for this purpose, for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. a day of judgment the false teachers the mockers mocking with very intensive description but other ungodly men as well there'll be a day of judgment a day of destruction and it isn't now just as much as the kingdom isn't now we need to understand that the judgment and the destruction isn't now either not this there are people that are confused on this point Uh, we've talked about this when it comes to the kingdom So the judgment and destruction in Scripture has to come before the kingdom comes. Some people have skipped to the kingdom. Well, we need to be bringing the the kingdom (laughs) now, right? Those post-millennialists. They believe that they're supposed to vote a certain way and orchestrate the kingdom so that it's ready for the king to come. I I never met a real life one of those until about eight years ago. That was a hypothetical, theoretical, doctrinal position in a dusty old book. A couple world wars will do that to you. gets rid of the idea that you can vote your way into a utopia. Amen? Amen! You, you can't fight your way into it. You can't vote your way into it. You can't tyrannize your way into it. Because we're waiting for Jesus to bring his kingdom. And that's the only solution. future. You know that because what happened? where do the ungodly prosper? City Hall? <laughs> the county offices? I mean, let's bring it close to home. Any of y'all got an HOA? Those things, ungodly people are rampant in HOAs. That's why I live where I live. I did that once. Ungodly people are all over the place. They prosper. They're not under destruction, they're not under judgment. That's future. But you guys, he says, verse 8, you, that's implied. So you, imperative, do not let this one, one, this unique thing, primary thing, escape your attention or your notice, beloved. He says, even if you're forgetting things, you're still beloved. Even if you don't keep your priorities straight, you're still beloved, right? A son in the pigsty is still a son. Even if you're not doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, beloved, you're beloved. Don't let this escape your notice that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. There's a doctrinal lesson in there. Doctrinal lesson. We, we need to remember that. Well, first of all, let's back that up a little bit. Okay, in our culture, everybody, despite the fact that they don't want to be told what to do. Yes. Nobody in the culture wants to be told what to do. The reason they, they don't come to church sometimes, here's the kicker, even believers, because he never gives me anything to do. They don't say that. say, so that's not applicable. There's no application. It does me no good. Well, listen, I thought you guys didn't want me to tell you what to do. So why are you mad at me when I'm teaching the Bible over here and I'm not telling you what to do? I'm giving you what you want. You see how that goes? It's ridiculous. Here's the thing you need to understand. Sometimes the Bible tells you to do something or not to do something. But a lot of the New Testament tells you to think, feel, or discern things. And that's the application. And you may not know how it's going to work itself out in your life immediately, but you need to comprehend it, understand it, value it. This is one of those. You need to comprehend it. Beloved, beloved, by the way, I love you guys. Thought I'd mention that, since all of y'all think I'm just as mean as I look. Love you guys, all of you. I want what's best for you. Beloved, listen, Jesus isn't on our schedule, He's not on our schedule. He keeps his own counsel as to his schedule. This is why another reason I could never be a post-millennialist. Right? I'm supposed to get the kingdom ready and fix it, and as soon as I get that done, who's on the leash there? I mean, I have Great Pyrenees. I'm using that hypothetically. Great Pyrenees don't respond well to a leash at all. I'll put my favorite Great Pyrenees on a leash. He'll sit down and say, "We're not going anywhere." <laughs> he's one hundred and twenty pounds, and he means it. It's hypothetical. If you have a dog, you go, "Who's on the leash? Who's under control here?" You need to comprehend something. Jesus is not on our schedule. He doesn't use our calendar, and he keeps his own counsel as to the level of urgency. He keeps his own counsel. He doesn't ask your opinion. And that's my opinion. And I can be offended by it, right? He doesn't care. He keeps his own counsel as to how long is long enough. How long the present, the now, is going to be reserved for for fire. How long Ungodly men will be in an environment in which they can prosper until their judgment and destruction comes upon them. He's not on our clock. He doesn't punch in. He doesn't punch out. He doesn't. So let's not treat him that way, right? With him, we have a a pair of similes here. You know what a simile is? I actually refer to my son and daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law, excuse me, as simile. We have couple of nicknames for them: Giddily, Gideon and Natalie, Micah Bell, Micah and Isabel. Simile, Simeon and Lily. It just makes things go faster. We have a lot of, lot of couples to talk about. We're not talking about Simeon and Lily. Sometimes they're watching, so let's clarify. A simile is a literary device, making a comparison. Another one would be a metaphor. So a metaphor would be a little different. It would be a day is a thousand years. And a thousand years is a day. That's how you would state it as a metaphor. A little bit different, could be a little more confusing. A lot of people treat this like it's a metaphor. Or actually not even a metaphor at all. (laughs) See, a thousand years like a day. And they make all sorts of doctrinal trajectory out of that that they probably biblically shouldn't do. It doesn't, it's not a metaphor, and it's certainly not a direct connection. God is it's not giving a formula, right? Because then you still have Jesus on our clock. Right? If we can say that a day is a thousand years, we have a ratio and a formula for all sorts of things that we don't, aren't given that in Scripture. A lot of people have abused that with their creation theory even. It is like that. There are two of them in parallel to each other. Interchangeable. It's not a, it, it, there's no equal sign involved here. It's a literary device, not a math problem. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God as a whole, but particularly Jesus here, he does not relate to time the same way that you do. He, he, humanity does not set his deadline. Some people will say that God is outside of time. I think we have to say something different. God is not bound by time. He is a free agent in regards to time is why this isn't a formula. The point is not a ratio and it's not a formula. Here. Okay? It's a lesson. It's a lesson for us, actually. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. But is patient towards you, I am neurotically punctual. Anybody? No? Because you're all right You're not neurotically punctual. One day I'm going to do some funerals for people and a, many years later, and y'all are going to be late for it. That's all right. The person that... Anyway, how many generations of, of believers have thought that it had to be in their generation? I think it's almost every generation says that it's got to be. It's got to be now. It's got to be soon. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. There's an indictment in that type of statement. There's an indictment against God, against Christ, when you say things like that, when I say it. Been a little bit of a prima donna about our suffering and persecution and the way we view the world when we do that. God doesn't keep our counsel, he keeps his own on this matter but there's another lesson here he's not being slow he's being patient now a lot of people interpret this wrongly they will say that God is being patient towards unbelievers out of this passage now God may be being patient to unbelievers but remember he's keeping the whole thing safe for the big bonfire he's guarding that thing so that ungodly men are destroyed. He's got a, a, a plan. What does it actually say, beloved? He's being patient towards you, us. Actually, the ace preposition here along with this, being patient with our purpose. Well, that's individually, but with the thing that we're supposed to be doing, he's being patient with us, not with the world. Now, Scripture may teach that God is being patient with the world, with the unbelieving world, but Peter doesn't care about that in this verse. That's not what he's talking about. He's being patient with us as believers and our purpose that we're supposed to accomplish. Now, listen, (laughs) this is the nature of the purpose. Because he's not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. So I'm just going to ask you kind of a penetrating question a little bit. How patient does God have to be with us achieving the purpose of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you ever seen patience like that ever? No. God's real patient. He's real patient with us. For the sake of not wishing any to perish. See, because we get it backwards. Sometimes we get irritated with God's patience with the world, and we don't realize that's not what that teaches. You best not get irritated with God's patience, right? It just puts you in the point of being a toddler as a believer, right? My daddy won't let me play in the street. I want to go play in the street. jerk. That's how you're acting. You don't realize that God is exhibiting his patience towards us so that the purpose that we've been given, availing ourselves of all the things we've been given, everything we need for life and godliness that we're supposed to supply in this world so that we can know for sure why we're here, engage our purpose, and achieve it, that's what he's being patient with. So how patient does he have to be with me before I achieve my purpose? You ever wondered sometimes? I don't know how many very godly men, and sometimes even whole families in one particular case, got taken home real early. And why the fleshly ones live to be a hundred. Sometimes. I'm not saying it's absolute. Maybe they were done. Maybe they were done. Maybe they did more than I've done. Maybe they achieved their purpose. God is being patient with us. But we we shouldn't forget that there is a time stamp. He is reserving the now, the experience now for judgment, for fire. And it is coming. And the opportunity won't be forever. That's what we're proclaiming today in Paul's words. We, we do focus rightly on the remembrance aspect of communion. We're remembering. Right? We need to remember the things that we already know and in which we've been firmly established. But Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians that at the time that we are remembering, we are proclaiming the future until he comes. His death. Our purpose, according to 2 Peter, to proclaim his death, the sacrifice, For the sins of the world, not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. Considered a problem passage by much of the church out there. Not much of a problem for me. All of it. The entire debt paid. We're remembering that and proclaiming it until he comes. So as is our custom, I'll give you a few moments to spend in prayer before the Lord. And I'd encourage you to do that. And shortly I'll ask the men to come forward to pass out the elements. if you would come forward.
1: one The blood that cleanses every stain of sin shed for you.
2: You stand with me, we'll dismiss.
1: And so, with thankfulness and faith, we rise to respond.
2: a few minutes uh, to get set up but um, the sandwiches and things are in here also uh, for lunch and uh, we'll get started as soon as we can with the meeting